You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. Welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Drive Podcast. I am Chad Ozy. I am here with Jeff Cross, and we are thankful that you have joined us today. We would love for you to write us a review, give us a rating, or send us questions or comments to UncommonDrivePodcast at gmail.com. Hey, Jeff, how you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I am wonderful. We are continuing our uh, our podcast here on listener questions. Uh, Many of you, if you're listening to these in succession later on, maybe just picked up some questions that we did and are rolling right into this one. Uh, Others of you are waiting a few days before you have heard this, and we are picking right up where we left off with questions that you submitted. We had a whole stack of them. We've been doing the whole Vegas shuffle here (laughs) as we've been going through our questions, and we're going to kick right off into a great one that actually... Uh, refers back to an episode that we did uh, a couple months ago talking about mistake recovery strategies. Sure. And Jeff, that's a big one for you. I call it the MRS, mm-hmm. uh, the mistake recovery strategy. Um, and Jeff, you talk specifically about having a mistake recovery strategy in game. Mm-hmm. What happens when it's your partner that's made the mistake and they can't seem to get back on track? Yeah, well... As we all know, we cannot we cannot I don't want to say help, but we can help someone recover, but ultimately the person who has made the mistake needs to recover. Sure. So we can aid in that. We can aid in that. And we and and maybe it's something that you do in your mistake recovery strategy. So if it's um you know, I said, you know, sometimes I, I, I uh, circle my wedding ring in my pocket, you know, to kind of get myself back to thinking about there's lots of things going on in, in my life besides this, the fact that I just missed a block charge play. So maybe you can do that. Someone struggling to get back. Hey, you know, during a timeout. Um, how many kids you got again? Two. Are, they got games this week or, you know, whatever that might be. Something to get them a little bit distracted. And, um, you know, I remember uh, June Corto, who, you know, is a legend in NCAA women's basketball officiating. I had a game with her, and I made a mistake. Or it wasn't a mistake, but it was a, a mistake that the crowd thought I made. Mm-hmm. And uh, during the timeout, she said to me, these people wouldn't know a foul if they saw it, so don't worry about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it made me feel just a little bit better. Sure. You know, because I'm thinking, hmm, did I miss it? Did I not miss it? You know, you're starting to process that. And um, so sometimes we could just say stuff like that, you know? Yeah, I think you nailed it. You know? Oh, man, that was a tough play. I'm glad you at least had a whistle. You know, those kind of things, they're going to help them recover from that mistake. But in the grand scheme of things, if you're noticing this, I challenge you to find time to get together with this official off the court, off the field, whatever it is, and help them develop a strategy to overcome these mistakes. That's good. I've heard some people talk this season 
um, specifically talking basketball. We're well into our baseball season now uh, as well, and this is a great thing for us to be doing because it's a little different on the baseball side. You know, basketball, we get lots of opportunities to get together Hmm. during a game. So that's that's a great time, like you said, to, to do that. But sometimes the greatest thing we can do is talk about it before the game, mm-hmm. right? So if we've talked about having a mistake recovery strategy, mm-hmm. then that helps set that person up for success during the game, mm-hmm. right? Uh, baseball, it's, it's a little tough because we really aren't supposed to be getting together unless there's something major that happens. Occasionally, uh, base umpires, if it's a three or four person crew, have an opportunity to get together for just a minute in between innings or things like that. Uh, but for the most part, we're, we're kind of off on our own out there. So sometimes it's just visual cues. Uh, baseball, we have a little thing where we'll take a fist and we'll kind of bump it on our hip, uh, which just means good call, mm-hmm. you know, good job, whatever. Because um, yeah, God forbid we actually, you know, clap at first base for your call at <laughs> second, right. right? We can't right. do that. We can't actually show support for anyone. But could you imagine if the player's like, hey, listen, <laughs> this guy just hit a home run. Everyone just you know, hit their hip with their fist, let them know they did a good job. <laughs> you know, why, why is why in the world are we like this? You know what I mean? We got to be so, I know, I don't know, secretive. Uh, but whatever. I'm sorry, I'm I'm rambling. No, you're good. You know, we uh, if 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 we were to actually you know yell out, great job. You know, that's We'd that's like, oh, what's wrong with these people, right? <laughs> no showboating out here with these officials. Uh, but I think there are ways that that we can support one another sure. when we're out there and just help them get them get them back on track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes yep. after after we've had the mistake or the one where we feel like we kicked the call, whatever. Sometimes all it takes on my very next call is somebody going, "Oh yeah, that was a good one." And now we're right back on track. Mm-hmm. Pretty yeah. simple you know, to keep moving. Even even if we just do the thumbs up, you know, eyebrow raise, good call, you know, whatever it is. Yep, absolutely. Uh, this is a, a baseball-oriented one early in the season, which we're in right now for baseball. Sometimes it is hard to stay engaged working the bases. Uh, and for those of you out there that think that's not true, you're lying. Don't mm-hmm. tell me it's not true. It happens to all of us, even the best of us. Uh, and then this person added the question, especially in the cold. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening from a warm weather climate, count yourself lucky. For those of us in the Midwest, especially, man, it's cold for a lot of the season, not mm-hmm. just the first week or two. Mm-hmm. For a lot of the season, it can be super cold. Any tips to overcome this? So I'm going to take this question, right. uh, at least to start. And uh, here's a couple things that you can do. Number one, do everything you can to not be cold. There you go. Don't think that it's macho or it's cool or it's whatever. Go out there and be as warm as you can. I worked a game the other day where I walked onto the onto the field wearing seven layers. Mm-hmm. I am not ashamed to say that. I walked out to the field. Um, I did not pull my hood up during the plate meeting uh, because we were you know engaging with coaches and I wanted but the moment the plate meeting was open and I went out to get ready for the game I pulled my hood up mm-hmm. I had gloves in my pocket I didn't put them on yet but I had them ready to go and um, so I was doing everything I could to not be cold about two or three innings in uh, I was warm enough I pulled my hood down uh, and then by the end of the game I pulled it back up again why is that a big deal well, because if I am uh, if I'm focused on being cold, it's going to be hard to be engaged. Yep. It's just that simple. Mm-hmm. So I'll do everything I can to be too warm, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Because it, it's still it's it's easier for for me to focus on what's going on. And then the next thing that I'm going to do, regardless of whether I'm cold, warm, or anywhere in between is I have got to be talking to myself every single pitch. I don't care if I'm on the plate or if I'm on the bases. I've got to be talking to myself every single pitch and focusing. And you know what? It's no different in any other sport. There are some sports that because of the the amount of action and how quickly it happens, it helps us stay focused. Baseball is a game where it's a grind, you know, um, there's uh, the Mid-American umpire camps that are out there. They've used the phrase the last several years, keep grinding, mm. keep grinding, keep grinding. Why? Because the game's a grind. The season's a grind. It's mm. a long season, a lot of games. And so because of that, um, we we have to work 
harder, harder, harder to stay focused. And the way we do that is talking not just every inning, not just every half inning, not just every batter, but every single pitch. We've got to be talking so we stay focused. You know, in the book that I'm reading, uh, It Takes What It Takes, they talk about, um, well, some people believe they don't talk to themselves. Mm -hmm. If if you put a group of 100 people and ask them to raise your hand, do you talk to yourself? There's some people that will not raise your hand. While they're asking themselves, I don't talk to myself. Do I talk to myself? So they're already talking to themselves. Mm-hmm. Everyone talks to themselves. And there was a study that said, you know, the average person talks to themselves anywhere from 500 words to up to 2,000 words in a day. So we need to be doing that. And the question is, what are you saying to yourself? Because as I think you've said before, you know, uh, what you say is what you visualize, right? I think it's, you said something about that in a previous podcast. Am I, am I saying it wrong? What no, you're it? good. You're good. Keep okay. going. So when we're talking to ourselves and we're saying, oh, it's so cold, it's so cold, I'm so cold, I don't want to be here, it's too, too cold. Well, that's all you're going to be visualizing is how cold it is. And now you've got a banger at first base and you're like, I don't know, I'm just worried about how cold I am. That's all I've been talking about. So when you're talking to yourself, say, hey, Ground ball's coming, you know, whatever. I'm going to have a play at first here. This is my play. If it goes to the outfield, I'm going to go out and and have the catch, no catch. Whatever it is, we need to be talking to ourselves. We need to be saying the words that we are trying to visualize so that way it'll stay. You'll help us stay focused, right, on the bases, even when it is 35 degrees outside. I recently heard uh, an interview with Rob Riggle. Rob Riggle is an actor. Okay. Um, you've probably seen him. He was in uh, Anchorman. He was oh. Captain Jack for the Booze Cruise episode of The Office. Uh, was he also been, the guy on, uh, on uh, Parks and Rec? Uh, no, no, that was not the guy, guy. from okay. Parks right. and Rec. All right. But Rob's been on lots of stuff. If you look him up, he's a great comedic actor. Not only that, but he was a... Active service Marine for over 20 years. Mm. Uh, in fact, was an active service Marine while he was coming up as an actor. He was getting ready to get out of the Corps. Uh, his uh, commanding officer came to him and said, man, what can I do to like keep you in? And he's like, man, I'm, I'm off to do this, this comedy thing. And the guy's like... But seriously, is there anything I can do? And, and Rob's like, well, if you can get me, if you can get me my next assignment in like New York or L.A., great. Otherwise, I'm I'm going to go to this other place that I'm going to and all. And and he's like, okay. And the next thing he knew, he was he was assigned to uh, uh, to New York and and kind of kept things going there before he then transitioned out of the core and uh, began working full time uh, in uh, in the world of acting. And the reason I bring it up is here's somebody with incredible discipline, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. if if you're coming out of the military for that many years, I mean, even though you're in the world of comedy, I mean, you are a disciplined person. Sure. Hard work is probably not going to be a problem for you, whatever, uh, and all. And he talks about how he doesn't just talk to himself. He talks to himself out loud yes 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 yes. you know what he does out and i was brought back to the what you talked about out yeah. of that book you yeah. know mm-hmm. talking out loud and not only that but he does it in public mm-hmm. he tells this great story i encourage you to go find it um it was uh he was doing uh, an interview with brian baumgart who's uh, played kevin on the office and has done lots of other things too and it was on uh kevin's podcast that he does or Brian's Brian's yeah. uh, podcast that he does uh, called Off the Beat now, and so I encourage you to go find that that interview. It was a great one, and when when uh, Rob was talking, he said there was this time when he literally walked out onto the street corner in New York with all these people mm. walking around mm. and he started talking himself out loud. What the blank are you doing? <laughs> is what he's saying. And in some ways, I guess having that conversation on a New York street corner, people are like, Oh yeah, that's just another person that does that. Right. right? Yeah, another, typical. Another right. person that's nuts out mm-hmm. here in New York. It might be a little harder, you know, in Bloomington, mm-hmm. you know, to have that <laughs> yeah. same conversation Aroma with yourself. Park, right. right. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm just telling you that, uh, 
we have to talk to ourselves, yes. and we do talk to, to ourselves repeatedly, internally, externally, whatever. And so let's let's be aware when we're having those conversations with ourselves that it makes a difference. I mean, the book says seventy times more likely to come true when you say something out loud. Seventy times, or seven x, or whatever. You know what I mean? So seven x. So that would be seven times. Well, more likely. yeah, because it, you're ten percent. When you say something to yourself, you're 10% apt, whether it's positive or negative, gotcha. that it'll come true. You say something out loud, it's 7X, so that makes it at 70 Gotcha. 70%. Love it. All right. Best piece of advice another official gave you, Jeff. Yeah. Man, that's a really hard question. Once again, I do not prep Jeff for these questions, yeah. which is both positive and negative. It means we're yeah. getting the real gritty, yeah, that's right. true answer, but it also means I like you can see this look of panic when I ask him the question sometimes, the and his smoke. eyes roll back as he thinks, <laughs> which is great. Well, I want to give a good answer, sure, and I want to, you know, give some great insight because there's been so many things that have been told to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best advice I've received as an official is it's not, and I think it relates to everyone, everything we're doing, you know, don't wait until you think you're ready for something to try it. Mm. You do it. If you want to do it, do it, try it. And you stumble, you fall, whatever it is, but at least you tried. Um, and I think that it really held true for me in officiating because, um, and I've told the story many, many times, when I first started refereeing basketball, I told my wife, you know, I'm going to start refereeing basketball. And her answer, her response was, what do you know about basketball? And Some I did people it. still have that response. Yeah, that's right. What do you know yeah, about basketball? Many coaches every night <laughs> say the same thing. <laughs> so, and it's true, but... If I waited to try basketball until I thought I was ready or until I thought, okay, now I'm trained enough, I'm going to try it, uh, we don't know where I would have been. I, I might, you know, might not be on this podcast. I might not be, uh, you know, going to a game tonight. Um, so I might just be sitting in a chair, you know, doing nothing. So I think that's the best piece of advice I've ever received is. Don't wait for someone else to tell you you're ready. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's a little Nike thing, I guess, right? That's Just right. And, uh, Nike is not an official supporter <laughs> of our podcast. But you are. But we would be more than happy to take your money <laughs> right, if yeah. you wanted to say that. Right up, gone podcast, <laughs> Gmail, whatever, right? That's awesome. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna at least start out my answer to this question uh, in something that seems humorous. Okay. Um was walking to one of my very first baseball games and there was a porta potty in between the parking lot, that really glamorous uh, uh, locker room that a lot of baseball officials get, right? right. <laughs> the parking lot is our locker room. That's right. And so we're stripping down half naked in front Under of people. a shade tree, right? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> if, if there's a shade tree somewhere, <laughs> right. you know, and, uh, I literally one time we were at a place where we we parked next to each other and opened up our doors so that we would have just a little bit of privacy, you know, so the our front doors and our back doors were opened and done in just the way to where we had like this six by eight, you know, space to be able to do something. Here. Um, but uh, so we'd, we'd gotten dressed. We're walking to the to the field and just off to the side was a porta potty right and so this person that i have been uh, I, i'm paired up with for the game says oh we're going i'm like what, what do you mean it's like yeah we're stopping at the porta potty on the way to the game right. like what do you mean he said um here's what you need to know uh we don't get bathroom breaks yeah. in baseball. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and there's no time limit mm-hmm. to baseball. Mm. It can go extra innings. So I always, if I see a bathroom, 
I go. Now, this was an older official that was doing that. And I'm learning as I get older that sometimes that is a more pressing need for us as we get older than when we're younger. Uh, but I've never forgot that piece of advice. Yeah. And to me, I now use it to say, you know what? Um, the only person ultimately that's going to look out for me when I go to this game is me. Yeah. And if I if I say, oh, I, I I can't take this I can't take this twenty seconds, this two minutes, this however long it takes you to yeah. to do your business, you mm-hmm. know, if I say um, I'm not worth stopping to do this because that game's more important, mm-hmm. guess what? Um, that's what everybody else is going to think too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what I initially gave as a funny answer right Mm -hmm. always stop to use the bathroom (laughs) it seems like it's a it's a it's an answer that's just a funny answer but you know what um always stop to use the bathroom yeah always stop take a breath always stop to thank somebody that has helped you get where you're at always stop to make sure you're okay, mm. whatever those things are, you know. And so, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was uh, always stop to use the bathroom. Yeah, you know, my mother-in-law says this. You know, when we're traveling together, and we'll stop, and like, you know, I'm gonna get gas or whatever, and I'll say, uh, you know, do you want to use a restroom? She goes, uh, never pass up an opportunity to go to the bathroom. So, you know, it's just never know. I'm gonna give you another piece of advice that I actually experienced since we're talking about baseball and. And, you know, a piece of advice. Going to spring game, right? It's always cold and, you know, all the stuff. So I was uh, all dressed up. I think back then we wore plate coats. You guys should wear plate coats? Uh, there are people that do, but they are really expensive. And so I don't. Okay. Somebody right. wants to gift me a plate coat. Uh, Fetchheimer, go yeah. ahead and do that. But otherwise, uh, I do not wear plate coats. I would give my old one, but I believe I gave it to someone else already years ago. So, uh, but anyway, going out, we actually had uh, a small locker room that we were getting dressed in, but we had a, a rather lengthy walk to get to the field. As I'm, we're walking out, me and my partner Sam, you know, and we see you know some few people, fans walking to the game or whatever it is. And it's it's a little bit soft because it's spring, you know, and I don't want to say muddy, but I see this this uh, German Shepherd. And I'm going, you know, you know, I love dogs. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a dog lover and a pet lover. Not so much cats. Uh, my, my phrase with cats is a good cat is a flat cat. <laughs> we might, and we, we might just have, lost subscribers to the Uncommon <laughs> Drive podcast. Just so. remember that not all statements made reflect <laughs> the thoughts of the entire this, cast. This program is not paid drive. by the channel. <laughs> anyway. So I see this dog, and I go, oh, hey, puppy, come here, right? And this dog just, I mean, paws up by my shoulders, just is all over me. Mm-hmm. Well, his paws are all muddy and everything, and I'm getting ready to go start the game, and I've got mud streaks all up and down my plate coat everywhere, and my buddy Sam's just laughing at me. So my word of advice is when you're walking up to a game, do not address a dog. <laughs> so just keep on going because you never know what that dog might do. He did everything but pee on my leg, you know? So, yeah, that was not a good day, but it was fun now. Oh, that's great. This is probably not the piece of advice that uh, you thought of when you were that's asking right. this question. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thank you for asking that question, and uh, hopefully that's helpful. Jeff, next question coming to us. What are your personal officiating goals well i have i have one major goal and it's it entails officiating but i want i want to say or i want people to say at my funeral that they were affected by me every time they worked with me whether it be a baseball basketball football game that in some way I affected them in a positive way. Um, I think that is so much more important that, that that gets me through, as we call the grind or we, you know, those, those difficult times where that, that 
three hours I'm spending with you on the baseball field or two hours on the court and they, they walk off, they are affected by me in a positive way. And I take great pride in that. Um, and that's what, that's my biggest goal in life in general in officiating. Um, you know, I'm one of those, uh, um, I, I don't necessarily need to win the, as I always use the analogy of restaurants, I don't need to win the five-star Michelin award for, you know, best restaurant, but I do kind of like the McDonald's thing and I can pump out a lot of games and serve, you know, 3 billion burgers a day or whatever that is. I'm okay with that. Um, I want to, as an official, I want to be successful at what I do. I want to have a successful business and I am looking for, and I, I don't know if I've ever said this on this podcast, but I am looking for repeat customers. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. A lot of people spend a lot of energy on going, I want this tournament or I want that tournament or I want this conference or that game. I just want repeat customers. So when I go work a game, the coaches, players, a signer, my partners want me as a repeat. They want to do repeat business with me. That's what I'm training for. Yep. Um you know, Jeff works uh, at a level in, in basketball that I don't work uh, yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's right. And I keep doing that. And mm-hmm. so uh, one of my goals is to uh, is to someday be able to say I work that level. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I don't work that level all the time in baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work all sorts of levels in baseball. Uh, one of my goals is that I would love to work that level more often than I work any other level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I'm just going to be really honest, uh, and I, I know that that's one of the things that oftentimes when we're asked this question is, you know, people people want us to give that answer of, I want to, uh, I want to work the NCAA tournament or I want to work the Valley tournament or I want to work the big 12 tournament or I want to, you know, whatever. Right. You know, those are the answers that we're often given. Uh, and so I'll, I'll tell you this on the baseball side, I want to get a ring. Mm. I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to work. I want to work a world series in baseball. Uh, but for a lot of people, that's Omaha. That's division one. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, I think a D three ring is just as sparkly mm-hmm, yeah. as a D one ring, right? Right. Um, and it may not carry the same cachet mm-hmm. uh, with some people, but I tell you what, there's there's something special about being able. I don't care if it's whether you're working D one, D two, D three, NAIA, JUCO. Uh, there's something special about working the championship. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so I'd like to get a ring. And so I've. I now have kind of made that statement about myself, um, both sides, both sides, both games that I work, both basketball and baseball. And even though we don't get rings in basketball. Mm -hmm. Um, and the funny thing is, uh, just so people know in baseball, they don't pay for our ring. You got to buy your own ring. (laughs) Same in basketball. Yeah. Same thing. You You know, to the NCAA tournament, they say, Hey, you can buy this watch if you want. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They don't give you a watch. You don't, you don't get one. You get to, but you get the right to buy it, sure. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and so I, I think that's a, a big deal. But for me, um, every day, my personal officiating goal is that when my partners get the assignment and they see that I'm on their game, mm-hmm. they go, "All right, we're going to be okay." Mm-hmm. I don't want them. To get that assignment and look at go, oh, I gotta work with Chad. Mm-hmm. I don't ever, I don't want it to ever be. I have to. I want it to be. I get to. Mm-hmm. And uh, what that means is, is that I have to be constantly working on that goal, because if if I get to work Division One college basketball, which I want to. Mm-hmm. I want to, folks. If anybody's out there listening and you've got a game, I want to. No. Um, but when I when I do that, at first, when I get that first game, somebody out there, uh, a Jeff Cross type person, is going to go, oh, 
man, he's new at this level. Mm-hmm. We, we may have to work hard. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we may have to protect him. We may have to help him along. We may have to whatever. And not that they're saying that in a bad way. You know, that, that's just part of the deal, mm-hmm. right? When you're new to a level, that's it. And so just because I may be at that level on a D3 game or a D2 game or whatever, where people see money, yeah, we're going to be okay. We'll be all right. Uh, as I work up, that's going to be a different a different thing. And so at every level that I work, in every game that I work, I want people to say, yeah, we're going to be okay today. Yeah. And that takes time. Sure does. It takes time. You don't, you're don't. you not just born into that. Nope. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. Maybe maybe someday we'll work that your first Division One game together. Oh, dude, that'd be awesome. Yeah. That'd be a blast. <laughs> I always joke about that. Some people want to do that until they do it, and they go, hey, hold on a second. <laughs> That's so cool. All right, Jeff. Uh, this is a question that you're not at yet. I'm not at yet. Uh, but the truth is we're a whole lot closer to it than some other people might be okay. that are listening to this. Um, when do you know that it's time to retire mm. from officiating? Well, you know, this is my phrase that I've said for the last couple podcasts. If you think you're close, it's probably time. Mm. I think that's just how I look at it. Um, I think there's so many other positions in officiating for us to, for a role for us to take on whether that be an administration or a film evaluation or whatever that is, um, we still need help in those, in those areas. So if you're thinking, I got to get off the, you know, I got to get off the, the court, then you probably do need to get off the court. Um, I would also say there's got to, there should be some personal, you know, inner thoughts about that, you know, whatever uh, my wife's retiring. So she's not going to be working anymore. Not that she is, but mm-hmm. those are things, you know, my, my relatives need to, my, more of my attention. It's time for me to come off the floor because as I've said before, and I'll say a hundred times over again, I was looking for a job when I got this one. So if I got to give this one up to be, be a little bit more available to my f- friends and family or whoever that might be, then I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll go out and find another job that I, I my life skills that I've learned over the years, good and bad, are going to get me that position and and I think are going to cause me to be successful in that position. So um, I think it's got to be a a personal decision that is the the, things around you are affecting you. Don't, don't, I wouldn't necessarily put it at, oh, well, I'm not, I'm losing a step or whatever it is because there's plenty of people that play professional sports. You know, I think there's some NBA players that, you know, played into their 40s they just had to play differently. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean they couldn't play. They just had to play differently. Mm-hmm. So if I'm slower, it doesn't mean I can't referee. I just have to. I have to step differently. I have to do those things. I have to. I have to take care of my body differently in order to continue on if I want to continue on. Um, but that, that's that's what I would say. If you're thinking, man, it's probably close for me to retire, then it probably is. Mm-hmm. Or if you're thinking it's probably close for me to retire, but I don't want to, I'm okay with that also then do something different in the off season to give you a little bit more of an edge or, you know, better preparation for, because being, you know, older doesn't affect your decision-making process. It affects your physical endurance, your, you know, the, the toll it takes on your body. So you have to do things different. You can't go and say, Hey, I want to be 65 until referee 70 division one games a, a year and have a six pack of beer every night. That you will not succeed that way, so you'll have to sacrifice some of the things if you truly still want to keep refereeing. <clears throat> I uh, I want to answer this question as a coordinator. All right, that's probably good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm a, a baseball coordinator at the NAIA level. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the largest NAIA conference in the nation, which means I have a lot of baseball games. Okay, right. Mm-hmm. And uh, two seasons ago, one of my most trusted umpires, the guy that if I had a huge game and it was just going to be a nut buster and I need somebody I can trust on that game, I'm putting this guy on that game. Uh He says, Chad, I'm done. 
Oh, come on, Randy. <laughs> All right. Randy, I, 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 you can't be done yet. Randy, I still need, Randy, you're still valuable. Mm-hmm. Hey, what if, what if, uh, instead of working five days a week, mm-hmm. you work two days a week? So it's easier on your legs. And, and that was a, a big thing for him. His, his legs weren't where he wanted to be. And he didn't feel like he could do on the field the things that he used to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, oh, and no, no, Chad, I'm, I'm done. And that was the decision that he made. And if it had been up to me, uh, I probably would have squeezed him out another three, four or five years mm-hmm. if I could have, mm-hmm. you know? And so I have, I have been as a coordinator on the side of a, a guy saying, yep, I'm done. As a coordinator, I've also been on the side of then having to say, hey, it's time for you to be done. Mm-hmm. That's a much harder conversation mm-hmm. than the guy who says he's done and I feel like he can still work some more. Mm-hmm. You know, So I will tell you this. When, when you made that statement of if, if you think it's time to be done, it's time to be done. I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. I'm totally good with that. I also, though, I would love for people to consider, you know what, I'm, I'm heading towards being done, so how can I still be a part of the game in a way that is valuable to the game? Mm-hmm. And you, know, you brought that up. You said there's other positions, whether it's coordinator positions, it's observer, it's video review, it's whatever. And, and there's only a, a limited number of those spots for people to be able to have. But what I think is great is when you're, when you're nearing that point, having conversations with people. Um, so uh, with, with that official, for instance, um, if, if I'd known that just one year earlier, not only would I have put them with officials that they could have had some really significant mentoring opportunities mm-hmm. with that year, mm-hmm. but I also would have said, you know what? Who do you want to be with on your last game? Hmm. I, I would have asked them that question. Yeah, right. and, and I may not have been able to have made it work on mm-hmm. their very last game or whatever, uh, but I would have done everything I could where if they were like, you know what, I've worked with so-and-so for so long. And mm-hmm. and because of where they were at now, those would have been crew chief people. So they wouldn't have worked together normally. Yeah, right. Because they each would have been, you know, the chief of a different crew. Mm-hmm. But I would, have, I would have done my best to put them with those people. Or, you know what, is there a, is there a stadium you'd like to have for your last game? Mm-hmm. And let me put you there, you know, on the basketball side. Is there an arena that you'd right. like to be in? Because uh, we all know we have places that are special to us for whatever reasons. Maybe it was where he had his first game in the conference. Right. And now I'd like to come full circle. And I'd like to end where I started. Mm -hmm. Or, you know what, I'd like to end close to home so that family and friends could be there. Stuff like that. Um, I think those are are key questions um, that, that we could answer for people and, and not everybody gets the opportunity to, to walk off that way. Sometimes people are walking off because of injuries Sometimes we, you know, whatever. Uh, but I know there are, there are people that I am super impressed with. Um, we have an official <clears throat> that works a lot at the, the D three and junior college level. Um, she's from the champagne area mm-hmm. and I, I don't have permission to use her name, so I won't. Um, uh, but, uh, she, at points in her career has worked division one and division two and has worked at a high level and she's coached at high, high levels. And I hope she's nowhere close to retirement because of how valuable she is Mm -hmm. to officiating. And she's somebody that when, when she was done working division one, it would have been real easy to say, okay, well then I'm done. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of us see that as the pinnacle, right? We get to Division One and we're done. No one wants to go from being a sergeant in a police force to the mall cop. Yeah, exactly. And instead, she I mean, she has such a love and passion for the game. Mm-hmm. And she cares so much about the student athletes that play the game. 
and what she brings to smaller college basketball is super valuable. Mm. And so one of the questions that I think would be great to ask ourselves when, when we're having those questions of, is it, is it time to retire? You know, another question can be, um, is it, is it time for me to focus on a different level? What can I bring to those levels? How can I help? How can I mentor? And I, I think that's key too. I would say, yeah. Is it, is it time for him to change roles in the game? Because mm-hmm. we can have a different role at the D3 level opposed to a Division One level. Sure. Or, you know, even in a different role in Division One. So, yeah, is it time for my role to change? Not necessarily walk away, but some people do walk away. I, I will say this, because as you say, pushback, right? I don't mm-hmm. know if it's even a pushback. I believe it's unfair for coordinators when someone says they're, they're done to try and convince them to keep working. Um, because, Oh, it's totally selfish in every way, shape and form. Yeah. It's selfish because my guess is, you know, I'm not there yet, but you know, I don't want to say it's, I haven't thought about it. Right. Everyone mm-hmm. thinks about it. We're all closer to the end of our career than we are at the beginning of it. And it's probably a very difficult decision. And mm-hmm. it's a very difficult conversation for to, to say out loud, Chad, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And then when we get, oh no, you're not. Oh, you're not. You know, like listen, I've, I've, I'm already struggling with myself and my family, and you know, because if I was to say I was going to quit today, my wife would like be like, why? You know, mm-hmm. she's perfectly happy with me refereeing. She thinks you know this is good and all those things. So, um, that's we when not just a coordinator. I think if if our friends say, hey, I'm retiring, I'm I'm shutting her down. I think our biggest job is to support that decision and ask how we can help. Yeah. And and I think there are some people that are making the statement looking for, hey, I think you've still got time left. Mm-hmm. I think there's some people that are saying it not because it's really what they want to do, mm-hmm. but because they're looking for the positive reinforcement of, no, 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 no. You're right. But I think once once you wade through that, Hey, if this is where you're at, if this is what you've come down to, well then, man, I support you. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, that's true, but we are geared, you know, we're kind of wired to, you know, oh, it's, we're not going to go, oh yeah, you're, you know, it's about time you retire because you're, you're, you're done. Right. So we need to work on just being I don't want to say, you know, supportive is a, is a right word, but I think it's more about, we don't want to say things that we don't mean. Mm-hmm. And the natural nice thing to say is, oh no, you still got a few more years left in you. Yep. Right. But we don't want to be mean and go, oh, shoo, good. It's over. And, you know, but I think we need to find a middle ground and say, this had to be a very difficult decision for you. I support your decision in any way. Um, you will be missed, you know, whatever that is. How can I help? You know, um, is there anything you want to talk about? Those kind of things. Because whether you're a 70-game Division One official or a 20-game junior high official, it is a big decision to stop doing something. I re- sure. I'll never forget my son telling me one time, the first time he quit his, his one of his jobs that he had to quit. I forget whatever the reason was, school or something. And he had never quit a job before. And he, he told me he did it. And I said, how was it? He goes, it's one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do. And that's how it is. When you, and he was only invested into working at O'Reilly's for you know a year. Mm-hmm. Imagine putting 20 plus years of blood, sweat, and tears into officiating and saying, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. This is actually kind of a fun question, Jeff, coming out of that, that serious discussion there, <laughs> which yeah. is kind of nice. Jeff, what's the most difficult thing about doing the Uncommon Drive podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, when we first started it, I talked to some people and they go, yeah, you know, it's really, really good. As long as you can keep the content coming, you'll be in good shape. And I don't know that that's the case. I don't think content is an issue. Time. Time is an issue. You know, and listen, I've said it before and I'll say it again. 
I show up. Chaz got the microphones locked in, computer plugged in, and you know he you know proof listens to it and fixes the sound and does all that stuff. So I, I'm just, you know, the pretty face, as uh, <laughs> you know, they say. So, but on a uh, non-video podcast, yeah, on a non-video podcast. So, um, for me, the most difficult thing is is the time, is the time, you know, because we don't just come in at eleven o'clock and say, okay, let's start recording at eleven o five. We're trying, you know, we're getting caught up. You know, we may come at eleven, may not even start recording till noon. Yeah, you know, talking about what we're going to talk about. You know, is that you know, is that going to be relative to what we're doing? Do we want to touch on this top topic? All those things. So um, that is probably the the most difficult. The easiest thing is, I believe I'm living the podcast anyway. So everything I say, you know, on the podcast, I'm trying to live it. I'm not saying I'm perfect in it, but I'm trying to be, you know, I'm trying to think neutrally. I'm trying to um, think about not my games at the beginning of the season, but my games at the end of the season. So everything I say, you know, Chad says he doesn't prep me for these questions. It's truly just how I feel. And it's just, that's just how I feel about the topic or the subject. And um, I try not to mix my words when it comes to that. So. No, it's good. You know, for, for me, uh, obviously time and scheduling and all that, I mean, I think is, is one of the most difficult things for lots of people. But one of the difficult things for me at the beginning, and one of the reasons why um, this didn't start earlier than what it did, because yeah. the, the discussions for this actually came up a year or two before we started <laughs> doing this. Um, the, the biggest thing, the thing that was most difficult for me was, well, I'm not the one that should be doing this. There are people that are so much more qualified who have so many more accolades to what they've done, who've done it longer, who've done it at higher levels, who've whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're really the ones that should be doing this. Who wants to listen to Chad do this? You know, Mm -hmm. um, that's, that was the thing. And the truth is, is that other people could have, but we did, you know, and, and obviously we do have the, the credibility of what, of what Jeff brings and all of his experience and knowledge and all that kind of thing. But what I have learned in the time since we've done this is that uh, not everybody that, that is working basketball and baseball works at Jeff's level, you mm-hmm. know? And so there are things that I bring to the table mm-hmm. that are different. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there are things that I experience at, schools that Jeff never has to worry about in the levels that he works at. And a lot of our listeners are the same way. Mm -hmm. And so some of the feedback that we've gotten is that it's kind of, it's kind of neat to have those different levels represented in, in what we talk about and the different sports represented in what we talk about. And so the encouragement that then I hear from that and would like to share with, with our listeners is I think a lot of times we don't do things in life because, well, there's somebody better. There's somebody more experienced. There's somebody at a better level. There's somebody whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fine. But if you're the one that has the idea, why not do it? Mm-hmm. That person isn't doing it. So yep. why not? You you may not be the, the person doing the backyard barbecue with the most experience. They've been doing it the longest, but if nobody else is inviting the neighbors over for a hangout, then mm. why not invite them? Mm-hmm. Why not do it? Um, if, if there's not somebody in your local high school association sharing video clips, I don't care that you've only been doing it two years mm-hmm. and you've not gotten past high school JV. Well, why not send them and share them and encourage other people to be doing the same thing? Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, ultimately it, it, it makes us better. It makes it stronger. And we do have something of value to bring to the table. Yeah. You know, like I talked about, it's, it's not about whether or not we think we're ready. You know, it's what kids learn how to walk and they fall all the time. And I think you would probably agree with me on this statement. Our first podcast is not near as good as a podcast we just did the last week. Sure. You know, it's gotten better and better and better. And the only reason it gets better is because we do it. And yes, okay, we could doubt ourselves and go, why Jeff and Chad? You know, why, 
what what gives these guys the why not? Because here's the deal: you don't like to listen to Jeff and Chad. You don't think they're qualified. Hit the skip button, man. <laughs> it's not that difficult, right. you know. And I think that's it's it's real simple. And you know, one of the things that you brought to my attention a number of weeks ago, you know, we we've surpassed a certain number of downloads and and all that's great. But you know, we we had these accountability groups that we started. We were doing like four people, and you know, we, over years we affect you know maybe a hundred people. Well, we can put out one podcast and help. Thousands of people in, in one podcast. So we're, we have a further reach now than we've ever had uh, trying just to help people on the, the telephone, a text or an email. Oh, yeah, this is what I got. You know, this is how I can help. So for lack of better terms, when we speak on this podcast, it is amplified potentially across the world mm-hmm. and potentially help other people not just in Kankakee and Aroma Park and Bradley and Bourbonnais, but in Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, Minnesota, all those places, all because we took a couple hours to, to record it. So I'm glad we did it. I'm glad we're doing it. I'm glad it's not stopped. Mm-hmm. I'm glad, you know, there's many times that Chad, he doesn't force me, but he's like, hey, when you want to get together, when you want to get together, because it could be very easy for me to go, Hey, you know, I'm just tired. I, mm-hmm. I need some rest, you know, all those things. Um, but when I get here, it's, it's like, it's like being on the floor sometimes. It's like, like mm-hmm. oh, this is my, this is a happy place for me. And I, and I don't want to be anywhere, anywhere else, but right here sometimes. That's good. And I'll tell you the most encouraging thing about doing the podcast is hearing from all of you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, when we get a text or an email or somebody shows up at a game that I'm working goes, you know, Hey, I heard this or Hey, when's the next one coming out Mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, People that I never thought would ask or would listen to this, Mm -hmm. you know, who do. And so we, you're the reason we do this. Um, we hope it's helpful to you, and uh, it really kind of leads us into our last question of the day, Jeff, okay. um, which I know was uh, intended about uh, officiating itself, but uh, at least when I answer, I'll piggyback a little bit into to what we do here with the podcast as well. The question is just quite simply, what keeps you going? What keeps you motivated? In officiating? Yeah. What keeps me going in officiating? Well, I think the short answer is the people, hmm. you know, the people I deal, you know, get to visit with every day, you know, get to get to go to war with every day. I'm in the foxhole with these people every day. If it wasn't for those people, I I, I don't know how, how long I would do it. If I had to do it by myself all the time, I don't think I would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's nice to be able to whether it's yourself or someone else that I can call them on the phone and I can talk about me remodeling my kitchen mm-hmm. and we, we can have a normal conversation and they won't say, Hey, listen, if we're not talking officiating, I'm going to go. That yep. just doesn't happen. And there are some people that, sure. but you know, the surprise flash mob I did for my wife. I mean, I had so many officials reach out to me and, and ask me about it and you know, those kind of things. So that's, why I do it because of the, the relationships I've built over the years that I know will be everlasting many years after I come off the floor and after I stop officiating. That's mm, really good. I, uh, I've been at a couple games this week and what was so funny is we brought up some, some different names of people, uh, for different reasons. Uh, Brad Maxey's name came mm. up, Todd Moistner, Angie Inland, uh, you know, several different people like that, people that, that work at high levels and, and that you see on TV working games and that kind of stuff. And the funny thing was, is the comments that were coming out were not about how good an official they were, mm-hmm. even though it was within the context of, of that cover. We wouldn't have been talking about them if they weren't the good official, right? Mm-hmm. You know, but then the comments that immediately came out was, man, they're good people. Mm-hmm. You know, man, he's a good guy. Man, she was really good to me at this camp and help me with some stuff and whatever. 
And, you know, it's really interesting to me that that's part of this world of officiating. I think of all the people on the baseball side that have been so good to me and helped me in so many ways, not just on the field, Mm -hmm. you know, but as a person and whether it was, you know, relationship stuff I was going through or, you know, I had a major surgery several years back and things just really didn't look good there for a little while. And I had people checking in on me and Mm. seeing how I was doing and all that kind of stuff. And so the officiating world has been, has been so good in that way. And I believe that for me personally, there's no way in the world I would be getting on the court all the time. If it was just about for the love of the game, Mm. There's no way I'd be out in the cold calling balls and strikes tomorrow afternoon Mm -hmm. if it was just for the love of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, I do love the games and, and I love working and I I love working at a high level, but knowing that you're doing it with a team uh, to me is huge. It's absolutely huge. And so then for me, part of what keeps me motivated to do what we do here on the podcast is knowing that we're building that team, Mm -hmm. you know, and there may be people listening today. I hope there's people listening today that I've not even met yet Mm. that, uh, if we saw each other on the street, we wouldn't recognize each other at all, but knowing that we have the ability to help make each other better, that we have the ability to help make our games better, uh, to affect our other crewmates better. Um, we, we said at the very beginning that when we did this, we didn't want to just talk about sports, even though we were going to talk about sports. Mm-hmm. We said we want this to be about life and leadership and legacy. And mm-hmm. we wanted to use the lens of sports officiating to talk about that. Because, you know, at the end, what, what is it that needs to keep us going in life? Well, it, man, it better not be our nine to five job. Mm-hmm. You know, it better not be just our hobbies. It better not be just paying for the house and paying the mortgage and paying the school bills and all those kinds of things. If it's not about the people in our life, we're missing out on a lot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I think, you know, I think that's uncommon. Mm-hmm. I think seeing that as the focus is uncommon. Yeah. Average people have, you know, average goals and they have average mindsets and listen, there's nothing wrong with being average, but this podcast is not about being average. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if anything, we want to be, we don't even want to use the word. Um, and sometimes this podcast, an, an average person could listen to it and go, what? I, I don't want to be average anymore. I want to be uncommon. And I think that's a, that's cool. If I, you know, I know this is not a question, but it made me think of this. If I had a dream about this podcast, I would love for this to come true one time. For me to meet someone, whatever, in the restaurant, maybe at the bar or wherever I was, right? And uh, we were just visiting and they said to me, you know, somehow we got to talk about podcasts or got to, you know, maybe I didn't say I was doing a podcast, but they mm-hmm. said, yeah, I'm really listening to a podcast right now. And it's called the uncommon drive. I'm not, a, I'm not an umpire or a basketball referee, but I love listening to this thing that no, and I don't know that I would tell them, Hey, that's me. You know what I mean? But yes, you would. Don't <laughs> lie. Oh, bro, that's me. <laughs> you know, but to know that we can have that kind of impact on someone. It's a great reward for me. Sure. It it makes me feel warm and fuzzy all over, and that's worth it to me. Absolutely. You know, we've we've spent these last two episodes talking about questions, and, you know, they've kind of been all over the place, basketball, baseball, life. Um, Hopefully a few fun things mixed in there for you all. But I hope it's also a reminder to you as a listener that that we want to be uncommon in every aspect Mm -hmm. of our life. Mm Mm-hmm. And so find some people today to reach out to. Um, maybe share, if not this episode, uh, maybe another episode that was was meaningful to you or helpful to you that could be impactful to, to people outside of the world of officiating. Share it on your social media. Mm-hmm. Send somebody a text. Say, hey, take, take a chance to listen to this uh, because we know that uh, as more and more people choose to be uncommon, um, we create a, a better situation for all of us. Yep. All right. Before we hang up or hang up or whatever we do, before we sign off, I'm going to give you my quote. 
No one, let me try it again. No one can make you feel inferior without your permission. Mm. So if we don't feel up to par, it's because of us. No one else can make us. We, we are the ones that control that. And um, I challenge you to, you know, take control of your thoughts when it comes to that stuff. And somebody may be telling you, you're just no good, but only you can decide that. So that's right. You know, and as you look at the legacy you want to leave to others, mm-hmm. as you look at the way you want to lead at work, at home, at school, wherever you might be, um, we hope that uh, just a little bit of what we share makes a difference in the life that you live and that you become more uncommon in your drive to success. Mm-hmm. Have a good day, everybody. See y'all. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.